0: conversations before we hit record and then we're like hey we should record this
1: it's the exact same thing with me and josh on the other podcast we'll talk for 15 minutes and be like we should have been recording this whole time (laughs) so uh as you were saying before we started recording about how you've been listening to some democrats complain about how the party doesn't get stuff done and the republicans do but from your side of the fence it seems like the republicans don't get anything done either
0: yeah, no, it, it's, it's funny because Republicans will have you know majorities uh, at you know different levels of government, and it's like,
1: hey, all those campaign promises,
0: like, we're we gonna see anything on that? And like, well, you know, we tried, we got blocked. We just need more people in our you know legislature, to, so it's always it's typically an excuse. But uh, from the from the perspective of getting things done, not necessarily the right way, but when it came to justices, the Republicans. I mean, they got things done. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the process by which it happened, but...
1: Yeah, it was yeah. definitely shady, but I think yeah. that was...
0: And we went back and forth on that on Twitter, I think, when it was happening, before we started the podcast, where it was like, you can't really block Garland and then speed somebody else through with...
1: Yeah, it's all hypocrisy. Apartment. And it's becoming a meme now that I say this on every episode, but it's... The system of government we have, the way it's set up, the two-party system, why forcing through Supreme Court justices is so powerful, uh, because that means then you don't have to legislate. You can kind of let them do your bidding, even though they're supposed to be a non-political entity. They clearly are uh, in both directions whenever... I mean, we had a fairly balanced court prior to this, I don't know, the last five years. Uh,' I mean, it's basically four four and Roberts, like Chief Justice Roberts well, it was like four four and Kennedy, and then Roberts seemed the to before. and yeah. then and then Roberts seemed to be I think socially Kennedy was more liberal than Roberts, but I think on a lot of the questions of federalism versus states, Roberts could be a little bit he would side with the liberals like he was what he was the deciding vote on the Obamacare tax thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that they were both kind of swing votes, but Kennedy was more so a swing vote, I think, uh, in the, in the traditional sense of it. But yeah, and now I think, I honestly think Roberts, I don't want to say he was like hiding or anything, but it seems like he is more, he is voting more conservative than he used to, in my opinion. Like he could have, like, I think what. I didn't read the quote directly, but I, I believe he said that he didn't agree with Alito's opinion on Roe v. Wade, but he still voted for them uh, and he didn't write his own concurrence. I think that I think that he's got more cover to vote along the liberal conservative line now because they have such a large majority. It's. Kind of a conspiracy, I guess. Conspiracy theory for me, it, it kind of it's rising to that level. But I just was oh, on this. I think there are a couple of the cases, and maybe we get into it. That I think that he would have voted on the opposite side had it not been like he knew it was going to pass anyway. So why not just be on the conservative? Like he he gets more conservative cred by voting with the conservatives on that because his vote wasn't going to change anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's since he became chief justice, at least he. Kind of has a tendency to, to want to, to be the middle of the road, bring people – bring the justices together, um, kind of moderate. And I don't think it's for any – I don't think it's for any credibility or popularity. He's He's got a lifetime appointment, right? He doesn't need it. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think it's for popularity. I think – I don't know. I think because he's chief justice, this is the John Roberts court, so he has a legacy, Right.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's what his big, like a lot of conservatives knocked him, um, you know, when he wouldn't do what you would expect a justice appointed by a Republican president to do. And they talk all the time, like he, he, you know, seems to have a stronger desire to have the Supreme Court maintain what he he would maintain legitimacy in the eyes of the the public. Um, So he was, I mean, even in I forget the court case, but it was it was an abortion case before Dobbs. Um, but he, he, you know, sided with the liberal justices and there, when it was a five-four court still. Um, and he basically said, like, this is the same argument made with Casey versus Planned Parenthood. So I can't—you give me nothing else to consider, so we have to set a precedent. Um, and, you know, a lot of people got really upset with, with him about that. But that seems to be his thing, is yeah, he, he wants to have a legacy as a chief justice who— i don't know, maybe kept the institution going at an even keel, didn't rock the boat too much. Um, and I think his argument would be like, you yeah, know, I want to respect the institution. I want to strongly respect precedent. And, you know, that, 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 that.
1: Has Speaking of precedent. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think, especially this, this term, it seems like he sided with the conservatives more than I thought he would. Uh, and it's curious to me, but. We can get into that later. Uh, Welcome. We are back after another short layoff. Uh, Summer, Thomas has kids that are school age, so school's out for summer. He's got kids doing all kinds of, uh, I guess it's not after school, summer activities. (laughs) Not after school activities. After school is over activities. And I had class. I finished my calculus class. I'm done. I passed. I got a B. No more class for the rest of summer for me. So I'm going to be doing after school activities as well, like video games and watching catching up on all the shows I missed and all kinds of stuff. But that being said, Thomas is going on vacation soon. I've you know, I've got another baby on the way. These, these are going to get sporadic for a bit. I feel like uh, we'll try our best to keep schedule. But, you know, we both have busy lives. We don't earn any money. This is a hobby for us. So we have to make time for it and uh i don't know about you but my wife is not very understanding when i'm like oh can't do that gotta go record sorry <laughs> so we should do live recording from the delivery room yeah <laughs> we might be able to do that i'll live stream it <laughs> she'll she'll love that uh, but we're the one v one deep state podcast uh if you're here you know all about us we are on episode 22 if you haven't if this is the first episode you're listening to welcome go listen to some of our others we had a a two-part abortion series if you want to hear all about our abortion thoughts. I'm sure we're going to touch on them tonight. We had an episode about gun control and the Second Amendment. So when we talk about New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, which is a court case that the Supreme Court ruled on, you can go back to those two episodes and listen to our thoughts on all that stuff. We're not going to get too deep, I think, into our thoughts. We just kind of want to talk about these, uh, some of these decisions we've talked about before and like our thoughts on them. But now that they're decided, we can kind of, Go over how we feel about the decisions. Um, but yeah, at one v one deep sit on Twitter. I'm at the rake, but the A's of four on Twitter. As always, my co-host at Thomas Black under eight, underscore eighty six on Twitter. We are probably going to have what you're leaving. When are you leaving?
0: Next week, Friday right. actually. So I'll be out next week, but we should be on a normal two week schedule unless you're out.
1: Okay. Um, Good. So we should be able to get back on schedule, at least for a little bit. Uh, so no worries there. But tonight we wanted to – We this has been a big – obviously, if you're in the United States or even if you're overseas and you've read all the news about the Supreme Court decisions, this has been a, ma- a major, major term in the Supreme Court. And we kind of just wanted to go over – not every single decision, but uh, I would say the majority of the decisions, and especially all the 6-3 decisions, which are especially interesting. And just I wanted to hear Thomas's thoughts, and I have my own thoughts, and this should be an interesting episode. This is a little bit different than what we normally do. We normally pick a big, grandiose topic, but this is a little bit more granular. But starting off with the decisions, there were two decisions from COVID, feels like Covid was a decade ago, but they're just now to, to show how fast the courts are moving. <laughs> so we got two COVID decisions. Uh, one is Biden versus Missouri, and the other is the, uh, the other one was National Federation of Independent Business versus Department of Labor. The first one, Biden versus Missouri, the court found that the Biden administration's mandate to require healthcare workers at facilities receiving federal money to be vaccinated was lawful. So basically. If you take federal money, you got to be vaccinated. I think that's probably fair. Uh, I think that this kind of goes, we, this kind of touches on libertarianism. This is probably one of the reasons libertarians don't want the federal government to be handing out money like this, because then that gives them <laughs> power over you. So if you are a healthcare worker in Missouri, you can thank your. Uh, boss, I guess your bosses for having to get vaccinated because they took federal money. I'm very pro vaccine. I think, especially in the healthcare industry, it was kind of a no brainer uh, that they probably needed to be vaccinated on not only to like protect the patients, but to protect themselves because they're the front line. They're going to get hit with all the COVID cases that come in from their area. Uh, How do you, well, I guess I'll talk about, let me bring up the second one. We'll talk about them both in tandem because they're both kind of related The second case, the court found that the Biden administration's vaccine or testing mandate for large employers was not lawful. There was no like link to the federal government. This was just kind of saying if you have a certain number of employees, you have to have a vaccine or testing mandate. And that was not found lawful. So I think that was pretty consistent from the court. Um, I don't think there's anything. it, It isn't out of the ordinary that they found one was lawful and one wasn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think the cases make sense, and you you make a good point from the libertarian perspective of this is—I mean, whatever you depend on the government on, it's going to come with a certain ability to to pull strings, to to, uh, take away some form of of freedom, and that's what you have here. I mean, um, but it doesn't surprise me, you know, the courts— you know, because, I mean, I think the most of the argument in the case was the government has already put a vested interest in this particular thing. And they have some right to have control over the outcome um, to make sure that, that money wasn't wasted. Um, which, you know, from the standpoint of this being other people's money that is being given someplace with an expected outcome, uh, it just didn't surprise me. Um, and also didn't surprise me that the uh, with the Department of Labor. I mean, I think I think President Biden knew that I don't think he had any expectation that the courts were going to uphold this. Um, I think it was a political calculus that said, I want to get as many people as possible vaccinated, so I'm going to make the law and people are going to get vaccinated um, in the time between when the executive order goes in place and when the court decision (laughs) two years later um, (laughs) comes out. So, because every, every judicial precedent regarding vaccines, there's always a 10th Amendment argument. You know, that's a police powers act in the 10th Amendment that allows states to control this. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that the court, you know, rejected the idea that the federal government can step into this. So both of those are pretty predictable, I think.
1: Yeah, me, same. <clears throat> I think for your point about the calculus of it i think it is kind of a dangerous precedent though to like you know that you're going to lose the case of the supreme court but you're gonna you're gonna get some effectiveness out of what you do anyway uh that can definitely go go awry uh so but yeah i think i think you're right i don't think they had any intention of actually winning this um i i wish i would have gone back and kind of read what the argument was from the From the uh, Department of Labor's lawyers, like what what they actually said, why they could do this, because I can't imagine it was a very it it was probably like Amber Heard's lawyers, you know, like just (laughs) a a complete cluster. (laughs) Um, The next case I want to talk about, because it's very relevant to what's going on right now. We were kind of discussing this prior to hitting record. Trump versus Thompson. The court ruled that former President Donald Trump could not block the release of White House records to a House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol hope so. Uh, yeah, so Trump versus Thompson, the court ruled that President Trump could not block the release of White House records to a House committee investigating January 6th attack on the Capitol. The January 6th committee is currently ongoing. If you're watching it or paying attention to what's going on, I think that the executive privilege argument only goes so far. I think that if you're investigating a crime, it, it probably shouldn't have any kind of real effectiveness like maybe some things are considered executive privilege but he can't just stop everybody who ever worked in his administration from testifying in one of these things that would that would be insanely dangerous precedent for future terms oh yeah it would give the the president the
0: license to operate really in in whatever way they they seem fit for their own personal interest and then they say oh executive you know um uh, uh, words very used executive privilege here we go. yeah privilege, me um yeah you just claim executive privilege for anything at that point and it means you can you don't have to be accountable for anything ever yes. um, when the spirit of executive privilege was more so like you can't go here because that would actually set a, a um, secrets of events that would lead to foreign policy matters that would lead to classified information and things of that nature um, not I made a huge speech after six months of saying if I lose it's rigged and then all of a sudden we have people breaking into the Capitol. Um it's not not the same thing, not gonna be the difference. So again, that was a pretty predictable one.
1: Yeah. What was the was
0: uh, what was on that? Do you remember?
1: Uh I do not remember, but I can check. It was I think I think it was like yeah. oh oh you know what it was? It was eight one. Clarence Thomas was the only one who voted no because he's a hack uh it was eight one it was eight one that's i remember seeing that and noting that in my head that that's what that was uh yeah so i think it was pretty clear it's just it's not even about donald trump it's not even about the january 6th committee it's just like if you granted that you would never be able to investigate a president ever and they would have carte blanche to do whatever they wanted so, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I say there'd be a license to do anything. So I wonder I, what what guess I wish I would have read the dissenting opinion on that. It'd be interesting to see what uh, Justice Thomas or his rationale for dissent was
1: probably not that interesting, man. I imagine, <laughs> I imagine it just says I'm a hack over and over again. Uh, so so far, three for three on agreement. <laughs> The last one before we get to the major major. The last one before we get to the major major ones. United States versus Abu Zubaydah, court ruled that the government was not required to disclose the location of a CIA black site where a detainee at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, had been tortured. Uh, I'm pretty sure this one was unanimous. I don't think it was crazy. I don't. I don't think the court was ever going to rule against the CIA in this case. I don't, I didn't read the opinion. I don't know what the legalese was, but, uh, yeah. the entire point of black sites is that they stay black. So I can't imagine that they are the authorities,
0: right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, people don't know, like the, the DOD has a different way of operating than members of the intelligence community, um, for, for operational purposes and, and, where they likely reasoned was like you said, they have authority to have black sites. It's a matter of national security. So yeah, but what happened there can be investigated, but you don't need to publicly disclose the location of where the event took place.
1: Yeah. I don't, again, I I should have read the decision uh, just to kind of see what the, the public uh, reason was. But I didn't I don't think there was any way that they were ever going to rule against making the CIA uh, identify where their black site was. All right. We have four. In that <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the four decisions that I really wanted to get into more, uh, some more than others. But they were all the six three decisions where it was the conservatives versus the liberals, every single one. Six three. First one. Carson versus – so the first two are kind of combined, and we talked about one of them already. They're both kind of separation of church and state slash First Amendment issues. Carson versus Macon, the court ruled that a main program that excluded religious schools from a state tuition program as a violation of the free exercise of religion. And the second one was Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, which is the one we talked about before. Court ruled that a football coach at a public high school had a constitutional right to pray at the 50-yard line after his team's games. Uh, It also ruled that teachers slash coaches were able to lead um, willing participants, willing students in prayer also on school grounds. Uh, So what do you think about those two? Um, so
0: you know the second uh, the the Kennedy Both um, Bremerton School District that doesn't surprise me at all because everything I read um, there was no suspicion of prejudice by the coach to uh, affect the playing time or you know treatment of players. Um, there was never a coercion or anything that the coach you know um, tried to use his position to get people to pray or to. Um, you know, proselytize or just do anything negative um, but just really kind of of his own will he prayed um, people eventually noticed and I think it was pretty much all like minded people uh, you know of his same faith started to join him I don't know how often it was you know non-Christians that were joining him but there, there was no advertisement or real pool it's like hey okay I'm doing this um and I think the court got that right. Um, I'm a little surprised that it was 6-3 um, because I don't know what evidence there was that he was using his position as a government uh, employee to try to force religion or try to advertise as her preference to a religion. It was all, I'm an employee and this is something I'm doing um, without... Without trying to push this on anybody else, without trying to advertise it, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I didn't. I think you brought this one up to me, and I hadn't read the details of it. But after reading the details of it, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think there's like malice or ill. Like it's kind of one of those. I think it's Hanlon's razor. Like, don't ascribe malice to something that can be explained with ignorance or stupidity. I think that's Hanlon's razor. I don't think this is like, oh, I don't think they were trying to crack down on Christianity or any of that stuff. I just think they thought that they would get they probably thought that they would get sued because it's, you know, prayer on school grounds. Uh, I think after all the legal hubbub, they probably like they they fired him and. Banned. Prayer. I don't know if they banned prayer at school or whatnot. I, I didn't read a bunch for there. I just know they fired him, and it was like a long, lengthy legal process. Yeah. Well, I think the
0: first they told him you can't do this, and he said I'm going to keep doing it. And then, in def- you know, with his defiance, um, that's what they fired him for. Yeah. Um. Well, and, and, and again, I mean, I, I I think especially in the Pacific Northwest, this was out of uh, was it Oregon or Washington?
1: I feel like it was Washington, but I might have been Oregon. I think
0: you're right. Um, I think that particular part of the country has a pretty strong yeah. desire.
1: Yeah, in Washington.
0: Yeah, um, to have almost all religious expression be uh, quiet and personal, and not made public. Um, that just seems to be the general view of the Oregon, Washington, California perspective when it comes to religion and uh, and public sphere.
1: Oh yeah, um, it's real close to Seattle. I was gonna just disagree if it was on the eastern side of Washington because I've been to like the Spokane area and they're very conservative. But it, mm-hmm. but right outside Seattle, yeah, they're uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know that anybody's
0: thinking like I don't think again because there was no evidence of him trying to push right. this. So I don't think he was
1: thinking he was trying. Like, I think like, it was just him on his own, opposite. and it was yeah, that's, that's quite all right. Like the opposite of this would be you know like.
0: Obviously, like when conservatives say like, oh, there were teachers who are trying to push uh, CRT or BLM, or LGBTQ agenda, um, you know, like lives of TikTok is famous for like trying to highlight examples of where that's done. Um, and there was just no evidence that he was participating in that. So it just didn't surprise me the court saw no, no reason for this to be a problem. And then there was also a precedent previously on similar cases where government employees were not pushing a particular perspective but just um, voicing one in response to a question or doing something kind of uh, in an unofficial capacity
1: yeah for me you'd need to like prove that he was doing it and he was making his players it was mandatory for his players to do it and if you weren't part of it you were getting reprimanded somehow yeah yeah that, that's that's like the burden you'd need to to prove for it to be like a fireable offense.
0: And in that I would agree with.
1: Like if he's using his,
0: his position to try to force others into the same, uh, you know, line of thought or belief, then I was like, yeah, you can't do that. But I mean, would you have a problem if you're, you know, like if, you know, if someone grows up and wants to play football, if a coach conducted himself similarly, would that be? any kind of like heartburner issue for you or would you be like i don't i don't care like
1: if they were praying after the game
0: like yeah well, yeah like if this this guy was your son's football coach oh would, no would that I, be-
1: no like i said like i wouldn't expect him to expect my son to take part in it and as long as my son didn't get like if he wasn't getting make made run made to run extra laps or was getting benched or something like if, it, if we could, sure. if yeah, like, like I said, you'd have to be able to prove that there was some kind of repercussion for not being involved in it um, or or on the on an, another way would just be like. If he was um, like publicly admonishing people, like even if there's no like real repercussions, you would being like, like calling people out in the locker room, like, hey, why aren't you praying after the game with us in front of the whole team? Like stuff like yeah. that. Uh yeah. But just, like, him doing him doing his own thing at, and and people joining him out of their own free will, like, I don't think there's a problem with that. Much like, like, I see a lot, I saw a lot of this on, like, liberal Twitter and comments. Like, oh, if this was, like, a Muslim coach, they'd be, you know, they, they'd shut this down real quick. And I'm like, no, that's the entire point is, like, free expression of all religion, not just Christian religion. I would love for a Muslim football coach in the Deep South to pull out his prayer rug and – go to the 50 yard line and pray like i hope that happens like they have every reason and right to be able to to do that and i mean the same with christians as much as i don't like christianity uh they still have that free right to exercise their religion i mean i get i kind of get the like it's on school grounds, so it's like public grounds you know but as long Mm -hmm. as that right is open to everybody it doesn't matter Yeah, I'm in agreement.
0: And and I'm with you. Like, I I would be extremely disappointed if there was any other um, religion and there was any other outcome. I would say, no, you can't do this. Um, Even to the point where I was just thinking about this and trying to put the same kind of principle in different scenarios. Like if it's a Muslim teacher and he stops teaching class, you know, so he can pray at specific times. Like I would not have a problem with that that person teaching my child. Because, like, I mean, again, as long as their education isn't being, uh, you know, deleteriously affected, then, again, he's not pushing this. He's not trying to make a spectacle. He's not admonishing anybody or trying to coerce anybody. It's, hey, this is part of who I am and part of who I am shouldn't be, um, shouldn't keep me from being an educator if it doesn't affect anybody else's, you know, anybody else's future prospects or... yeah. Or,
1: yeah. No, so, I think we're in agreement. But but the other one is a little bit more hazy for me. The main program uh, – I didn't read the details of this one. But just on the surface, like I don't think there's a problem if a state excludes religious schools from a state tuition program. Uh, I think well, – No, I was just going to say I think this goes – in like one of my problems with school choice is that uh, – I think you're getting – you're getting really close to crossing separation of church and state lines if state funds are going to religious schools. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it kind of – similar to the last one we talked about, if it's open to everybody, there should be no reason that it can't, right? Like it's one thing for for only religious schools to get a certain – to get funding from the state that's different than like all schools can get it. And religious schools are a part of that, but I still, yeah. I don't know if I have a fully formed opinion on it entirely. I, I, I think that it's, it's getting really close to s- separation of church and state issues, but I don't know if it crosses the line to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the crux of the argument was non-religious private schools are still able to get, um, you know, state tuition program money, right? Uh, you know, obviously. So, cause I, I mean, since we did our, our school choice, you know, episode, um, I can't. I, I think we were in agreement, but I, you know, I was like, if you're a private institution, you have your your private revenue stream by which you operate. Um, so, by putting public funds there, all that's going to do is further concentrate. The distribution of wealth into those who already have a a revenue stream. So I think if they would have said this is completely exempt from non public schools, then it would have been fine. But when you kind of pick and choose, um, I think that's what got them in trouble. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, like I said, I didn't read, I didn't, I don't even know what Maine was doing specifically. Um, But yeah, like I said, I, I don't have a fully formed opinion on it entirely. I don't like – it's not that I don't like it. I, I don't – I think the separa- I think that there is a clear wing of conservative Christians in the country that are trying to tear down the wall between church and state because they believe America was founded on Christian values and it's a Christian nation and it should be um, led as such and there should be no wall there. But I also don't uh, – so I don't – I completely disagree with them and I – but I also don't necessarily agree with like the state can't be involved. When I say the state here, I don't mean like individual states, the the Fed, whatever, the government should, shouldn't have to be completely out of working with religions and like – not religions like in the grand sense but like with churches, with – Schools, whatever. They
0: the right. For social
1: yeah, and I, benefit. I, I, yeah. I think that is a, a net positive, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. So there is a middle ground there. Uh, but given one of these decisions that we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, and so, you know, just the, the direction the country seems to be going, I think we are slowly chipping away at that separation of church and state. So, stuff like this, I'd have to be a little bit more cautious about. But again, on the surface, I don't necessarily find anything wrong with it as long as it's like an all school thing and not a only religious school thing.
0: Yeah. What do you mean when you say slowly chipping away at the separation of church and
1: state? Um, I think that. <sighs> I think that the school choice push on top of um the overturning of Roe v Wade on top of stuff like this this main thing ne- maybe necessarily um it's just little incremental incremental steps towards uh that wall being so you think it's getting more blurry and not more distinct? Abs oh absolutely for sure. Uh I think that there's nothing hard and uh definitive about it, but I know that there's it, this is we <laughs> <laughs> the we kind of touched on it earlier. When we were in our pre-show talk, I think the people that want the separation to be gone are way more ardent about it and care about it way more than the liberals who wanted to stay up. Like we wanted to stay up, but it's not like a main focus. Like it's, just, it's, it's a talking point for us, whereas for the conservatives that don't want it, it's their entire drive in life as a person, who, as a lawmaker. Um, and I'm not trying to say that all the Republicans and conservatives are like this. I just think there's a wing of that party who is way more adamant about it. And there's no kind of counter on the left to balance that. It's more like, oh, you shouldn't do that, but we're not, you know, we're not going to stop you, which is a lot of people's complaints with Democrats in general about a lot of issues. Uh, there are very few issues that Democrats care about as much as, conservative Republicans care about Jesus. Uh, So I don't have anything like off the top of my head. That's a really good example of that. But I do think that we are. I think that there was a history of. uh, Christianity kind of being the dominant force in politics up until. Uh, you know, the night, you know, the scopes, the scopes trial in the 20s, basically. Uh, And then it kind of started like fading and we started building that separation of church and state back up. And then I feel like the last basically since Reagan, Reagan kind of did the southern strategy and, and rallied evangelical Christians to his cause. And they've pretty much spent the last 30 to 40 years as that's like their singular goal, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you say like the separation of church and state is starting to get more blurry um, because I think, you know, pretty much everybody understands the general statistics so that America is less and less religious when it comes to not necessarily how they identify, but like the um, activities they participate in, you know, church events, um, uh, you know, prayer, fasting, like different things like that. Like people do that less now than they did, you know, for the last several decades. Um so I don't know. Cause, and it's also interesting because I feel like there's also, you know, you have like the Freedom from Religion um, you know, Foundation and the ACLU, which are typically the organizations that um, bring these kind of freedom of religion cases to court, um, you know, such as, was you know, the case with the uh, the Washington teacher, um, you know, Kennedy. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's maybe a, a larger, more easily. More quick to defend yeah. voting block, um, you know, of, is, of religious people and, and than those ultra, who are exceptionally thing, excited about, about
1: was, like, a clear and distinct right, wall between, their um, like they're Christians, they believe, you know, religion believe. and public expression. This is a Christian nation, so founded um, by Christians. On the left, it's but not. A, it it's we've like seen there's more passion, the I like, guess, on my oh, perspective, more passion to state guy or gal. keep that distinct. It's like not like a thing you identify on, as. It's just
0: something you, you know, the, the quote unquote left, if you will. Um, and I think to your point um, about like. There's just more people the on the, the right side of, of the aisle
1: that Christian would. would uh, demographics be more excited for like, I think turn that means they're gonna vote fight even harder if they felt like, like, like they could see their, uh, on their traditional norms and, uh, and uh, even though they're still you know, a vast majority they grew up they're up just not like a super secular majority anymore. But yeah, I think we've spent a lot time a longer time on this topic than I thought we would. But yeah it's an interesting thing and maybe we need to talk about maybe I need to collect my thoughts because I definitely didn't articulate them well about separation of church and state and that, that'll be a future episode. But the next one we want to talk about second to last one New York State Rifle and Pistol Uh, Association versus Bruin court ruled that states with strict limits on carrying guns in public violate the Second Amendment. This is um, basically aimed at the New York City concealed carry law. So now more people in New York City are going to be able to carry their guns in public uh, concealed probably not a good idea in my opinion, but I understand if you if you've been following me on Twitter in the Discord or listen to our episode about the second amendment and gun control. I I understand that because the second amendment exists, common sense, I don't want to call it common sense. Effective gun control can never be a thing in this country until something happens at the amendment level of the constitution. So it's no surprise to me that this this law got overturned. I think we're going to see basically every gun law in America challenged at this point. Uh, you can bet that the new law that the Congress is passing uh, that restricts eight, um, you have to be 21 to buy a an assault rifle. That'll get challenged. I don't know if that'll get upheld. It probably won't. I don't think it will based on this, the, the court's makeup. But uh, I know we've talked about just recently talked about gun control with the uh, Uvalde shooting and like I said we had a whole 2A episode but what just quickly what are your thoughts on this is this surprising to you or is this how you figured it was going to go
0: no this is how I assumed it would go because to my understanding New York's basic um, the the law basically said if you want to concealed carry you have to show us justification for why you need it Um, and I mean that's just not the nature of rights rights are are inalienable you know so the justification is it's, it's my right i get to do what i want um you know just like you wouldn't need justification to start a petition or to assemble you know for a protest um that's your right afforded to you but but i mean the, the whole tension of all of this is always going to be um you know the two key phrases in the second amendment um you know well regulated and shall not be infringed uh so we talked about this on our one of our second amendment episodes um well, I believe, as you mentioned, like, you, you think you should be able to get any kind of firearm you want, um, but there should be some sort of training, some sort of understanding of how the weapon works, its capabilities, things like that. Which um, you know, I think we both pretty much agreed on on that, you know, and that that's probably within the, the framework of the Constitution and being well regulated. Yeah. Um, but when you go to what I think New York had was an extreme where you have to show justification or...
1: The yeah, well-regulated part carries be, into several months. I don't want to months. say to be fair, but um, it's, this wasn't yeah, a new law. This is has typically has been on New York City books shot for like hundred years um, or something like that. It's it a really a federal
0: really old law, uh, so they just came, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty much how I thought it would been be going by because um, I think the cases where age comes into yeah, play. Yeah, most major cities um, have problems with. Uh, I don't know that there is black and white. It won't surprise me if they, you unfortunately, if they shoot down laws that say you twenty
1: one
0: for. Last one, the big one.
1: But, the one that uh, we had talked, we've uh, we heard this just just an York's Unprecedented law, leak, a couple months almost, ago. You know, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Health Organization right. court ruled that the Mississippi um, law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks is constitutional, and overturned the constitutional right to abortion established by Roe v. Wade in 1973. Uh, what are your thoughts? Even though we've already talked about this, what are your we thoughts? We realized they had it. It happened. It's official. Officially official. It's back to the states. The states can decide on their individual uh, abortion laws. <laughs> Although um, Kevin McCarthy, who is the leader of the House GOP, uh, kind of, I don't want to say hinted at, but basically made it clear that if they, over, if they win back the House, and if they win back Congress and the presidency, they're going to be pushing for a national abortion ban.
0: Yeah, so my first thought was, you know, I was really proud to see that uh, most Americans stayed sober minded about this and respected other, you know, people's opinions. And uh, nobody got really extremely upset or extremely uh, boisterous in their excitement. Everybody seemed to be pretty, pretty even keel. Um, It was very muted. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No. A very muted response.
0: Like I said, I mean, we we all kind of saw this coming. I, I will say that I was happy. That the opinion didn't change much from the draft opinion, um, but mainly from the standpoint of if it did, then you encourage anybody to leak any other draft opinion. And then if you make enough you know, noise or threats or whatever the case is, you can change the rule in the court. Um, and I, I don't think that's an effective way. Or a good idea um, for for a country's highest court to. I,
1: I think we, I think we talked about it before, or maybe we didn't, and I was talking to some talking to my work chat or Discord or something. But I, I think that it had the opposite effect, and it was always intended to have the opposite effect. I'm still not convinced it was like a liberal uh, clerk who was mad about the decision and was trying to get it changed. I I'm more of the opinion that like roberts and maybe one other justice was waffling and they released the opinion to solidify like this is what's going to happen i it it doesn't make sense to me that like there's there was nobody really on like again kind of going back to my roberts thing like it didn't it was a 6-3 ruling it didn't matter if he ruled against it or not it was going to get overturned so it doesn't make sense to me that like the liberals were trying to shine light on the opinion before it went public to change anybody's mind. Like how do you pressure a court that has lifetime appointments?
0: I think they were just trying to get
1: ahead of all the, I guess, but I mean, at this point you can do, you can say that for almost any ruling, any major ruling the Supreme court has. Uh, I think the problem of – over I, it's one thing to uphold the Mississippi law. It's another thing to overturn Roe v. Wade based on the argument that abortion isn't historically been a constitutional right. Uh, a lot of things aren't historically a constitutional right, but should – I don't want to say go without saying, but like bodily autonomy, right to privacy, stuff like that is – more fundamental than the right to own a gun, the right to protest. Uh I mean this goes for like illegal drugs and everything too. Like you should be able to put into your body whatever you want and do with your body however you want. Uh the the Alito decision specifically tries to say that this is only talking about abortion, but the concurrence by Thomas immediately like Thomas's concurrence immediately says Now we should look at contraception. Now we should look at uh, gay marriage, which is right. Those are the same. Those decisions are falling into the same right to privacy as Roe does. So if you overturn Roe, everything's on the table. And I don't see the – I don't see the – again, I'm not somebody who likes slippery slope arguments. But when literally a concurrence from one of the most conservative justices on the court is saying specifically those things, like – those are going to get challenged. Whether the court overturns them or not, I'm not entirely sure about. But I definitely think that gay marriage is getting challenged. I don't know about contraception, uh, but it's up for debate. Yeah. So I, I think the crux Here's been- my problem. Hold on. Hold <laughs> on. Let, me, let me add one more thing. I, my, my problem isn't necessarily that they overturned Roe based on it not being historically in the constitution or historically legal or whatever. That is not even necessarily true. There's, there's problems with Alito's argument on that front. My problem with it is that it was 50 years of precedent. And generally when you overturn precedent, there needs to be a good, there needs to be some kind of sea change. There needs to be some new understanding. There needs to be some, you you don't just overturn precedent because it's, it's, you've had a problem with it for 50 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say, Have had a problem with it, like whatever these conservative just the the conservatives in the country, basically like Brown versus Board of Education and Plessy versus Ferguson. Those got overturned because separate but equal wasn't separate but equal. It was clearly not equal. So they needed to overturn those. There's nothing equal about it. Those got overturned. Uh, The Dred Scott decision uh, escaped runaway slaves to the north had to be returned to the south. Uh, we had a fundamental change that black people weren't inferior and weren't property, and we overturned precedent like that. What has changed in the last 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade on the on the privacy front? Like It doesn't make any sense. So that's, that's basically my – honestly, my biggest problem with it is like if that's the – if the argument to overturn Roe v. Wade is all it takes to overturn precedent, you can overturn anything at any time. Precedent doesn't exist anymore. Precedent doesn't matter. There's no weight to precedent. And I've been posting on Twitter all the videos of the justices at their confirmation hearings talking about, oh, that's the law of the land. It's precedent. Uh, precedent is important. Like, Clearly, I don't believe that. Clearly, it doesn't matter. Uh, there, was no, there was nothing in the decision to me that said, oh, this is new information that why we need to overturn this 50 years of precedent. It was just like we've been wanting to do this for 50 years, so we're going to do it now. <sighs> All right, yeah, you covered a lot. Um, I did, but this is this is a very it to me. It's not even about abortion necessarily. It's it's about how and why it was done. That's my issue with it.
0: Yeah, and and, and, and hmm, okay. What
1: do we what do we? To, so my the cynical are, the cynical the cynical side of me is ends justify the means. Conservatives don't like abortion. They want to ban abortion. They believe life begins at conception. They don't care how they had to get it done they needed to overturn roe v wade so they could start banning abortion first in certain states eventually as at a national level uh to me that's a problem that's i, I ends, ends do not justify the means that leads us down a very dangerous path in the in the end what that that is separate from my feelings on how roe v wade was was settled 50 years ago i don't think it was a is We talked about it. It wasn't a great law at the time, but it's the precedent we had. And I just think that uh, on the face of it, it was an unjustified-the-means decision.
0: Sure, and I think that's the nature of politics, right? Like, um, you know, if the uh, Democrats um, had appointed—you know, had a president that appointed six justices, they would not be ever mentioning, you know, expanding the role of justices. They wouldn't be seeking justification for why it would make sense— um, because they're happy with where it is. And if the pro- Republicans could use the same reasoning and be hinting at the same possibility. Um, and the Democrats would be no, ends don't justify the means. You can't just change things because you don't like it. So I, I'd say that's the, that's the
1: nature, at least, of I, I would be hard pressed to find major decisions that are like that, though, on the left. And this it's really hard to do since considering the left hasn't controlled the court in decades. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, is
0: justify the, the means is 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 the spirit of politics anymore. Um, to, to, I mean, I would say to, so much to the point of like, I think there are a number of things they could resolve, but unresolved issues make better campaigns uh, and make. Yeah, more, absolutely. So, again, so and that's, that's, it, that's something that, that would be another situation of, well, <laughs> the ends justify the means. I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to get my
1: seat in Congress sure. because, you know. Um, sure. But it's a lot different when it's this. That's different, like getting reelected and just – like I, I totally understand that. And honestly, it's something I want to talk about, the effect of this on the 2022 midterms and the 2024 election, yeah, uh, presidential election, because I think there, there's going to be significant repercussions. I, yeah, I,
0: I guess the big reason I bring that up, because I, I think if, if – um, if we're going to do more than complain about the way our government operates, we have to look with clear eyes at at the problem as a whole. Um, and, and the reality is, again, both sides do this. They participate in politics and it ends just by the means way. And there's, there's not, um, at least in, in my perspective and trying to be unbiased, there's not a one side does it well. The other side is more or less innocent. Um, they are all opportunists.
1: So far, Biden has resisted the call to pack the courts. He still is like that. But it's emboldening people on the left to call for it when stuff like the Merrick Garland thing happened, stuff like the Amy Coney Barrett getting rushed through. Like that's that's when you're going to there. There's no free lunch. There are repercussions to every decision. Like when you do. I don't disagree with that. Like everybody's running by and justify the means to get their way. But when, when it actually works at this level, that's when you get the, the backlash and the flip side to it. And that's, that's what we might see. And like, I don't want to see the courts packed, but in my opinion, if you're going to steal quote unquote, steal to to I think Amy Coney Barrett better or worse was a fine appointment. Trump was still president. They still had the Senate. The Merrick Garland thing was absolutely ridiculous. Ilya died in February. The elections weren't until November. We, we, Obama should have had Garland on that, on, on the SCOTUS. He should be there now. So I, I have a hard time feeling sorry for the right if the left comes in and packs the court after all the shenanigans they pulled over Trump's tenure. I don't necessarily think that's right, but that's the, that's the, the consequence of stuff like
0: this. Yeah, but, but yeah, and you know, I th- we both agree. and I think we, we've talked about this before, at least on Twitter we have. Um, the Republicans are wrong for in my opinion for um holding up the merrick garland nomination um because president trump was still president the senate still had a constitutional job to do um just because it's an election year, obama was still oh, yeah president. yeah president, president obama same thing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. president obama was still president yeah they still have a job to do um I, th- I think they were right and i think it was fine that um Amy Coney barrett was was nominated and confirmed um the thing that made that more egregious to Democrats and, and many other people is because that same principle wasn't applied. Yeah. And, and you can make, yeah, this, and, I, and yeah. I get the arguments, you know. Uh, well, we had a congressional election; it flipped. This is what people want. I, I don't buy it. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't. I think it's 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 the excuse, right? But again, this is, I mean, this is, this goes back to, you know, Senator Reid um, blatantly lying and after the election admitting he lied about uh, like Mitt Romney's taxes and he just needed to smear him. Um And his justification was, I mean, he said in an interview, he didn't win the presidency, did he?
1: Um, <laughs> Same thing with Hillary and uh, Benghazi, man. I mean, it's, I definitely yeah. agree that it happens on both sides. That's not, but like, the, but when it the went, he, of that labor of over, Of overturning Roe v. Wade is just a much bigger thing where where it's like we expect that tit for tat in Congress and the Supreme Court thing. Like if Roe v. Wade wasn't overturned and there was still six three on the court, like it's still not that big of a deal because they didn't like we're not seeing that major change that is going to cause an uproar. But like they they I'm going to I guess I shouldn't refer to it like that. I don't think they stole two seats. They stole one seat. I think I think Obama should just put should have put Garland on the court without Senate confirmation. I think that would have been fine. I think he was well within his right to do that. Uh, but they stole one seat. They got Amy Coney Barrett through under the wire. I blame that on uh, RBG. I don't blame that on Mitch McConnell and the Republicans. They did what they were supposed to do. RBG sure retired during Obama's administration. Uh, but it is what it is. But like now, when you do stuff like that, and this is the outcome, like what, what do you think are the consequences? Do you think that the Republicans are going to, get away with this quote unquote like scot-free or do you think like they're going to pay for it in the midterms like there's supposed to be a red wave in the midterms like do you think this galvanizes the left do you think that uh we see one of the things i really liked about aoc uh about what she she tweeted something that i thought was very like pelosi and biden being like you got to go out and vote you got to go out and vote it's really a piss poor response and just the typical democratic nonsense when stuff like this happens aoc was like you got to be specific we need this many seats in the house we need this many seats in the senate we need we have the presidency for two more years we can codify roe v wade we can do all this stuff that uh is on our agenda but you have to like point out we need to win this race right here we need to win this race right here not just a general get out and vote like that never ever ever works
0: yeah. So before we go into the elections, I mean, for what it's worth, and, and I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty in all things. But the Democrats could have codified this in two thousand eight when they had a supermajority. Yeah. Um, and the president's yeah. like, and again, they probably thought this was safe because it's precedent and etc. But um, and, and yes, just,
1: no, I, I, I absolutely blame everybody involved. I don't. But again, it's it's mostly that. I think it's more dangerous to overturn precedent without a real reason than it is – like like you said before, it's more of a campaign issue, right, on both sides. Like now what do Republicans campaign on, a national abortion ban? I think that's a lot harder to campaign on than just like returning the decision to the state so each individual state can decide. Uh, but yeah, I mean I, I continue with what you're saying. Yeah,
0: right? so to get kind of to the, the specifics of the court case um, – I, I would state one. I, I would I would wish that everybody who is happy with the outcome of this, um, just enter conversations with people who disagree with you, with the understanding that their frame of mind is our government's allowed to be tyrannical. I don't necessarily agree with that conclusion, but respect the fact that this is how people are feeling, and don't don't be a jerk. Like like recognize that like from a, from a way of government standpoint this is hard for people and then for people who um, have had trauma in their background which led to them getting an abortion or things of that nature um, this is hard and now I'm saying that as somebody who agrees with the who's happy about the outcome um, I'm happy that this goes back to the state um, I just think we, we, need, we need we need to be Humane and gentle and reasonable and the way we discuss this and not gloat as if people who disagree with us are our adversaries. Um, and I think from a that's that's not going to change. Well, well <laughs> I'm still going to say it because um, that, that's what needs to be said. To your point, what, what surprised me the most, because I didn't hear Mississippi argue this, but I told you back when we discussed um, abortion um, on one of our earlier episodes, That Roe v. Wade, I mean, in their opinion, um, in the majority opinion that Blackburn published, um, he said, you know, you never argued that the fetus is a life. And if you argued this and could prove it, we'd have to reconsider. So I told you that when they bring this before the Supreme Court, like Roe v. Wade gave you a blueprint of how to overturn this precedent. And there's a much better argument to be made fifty years after Roe v. Wade and twenty five years after Casey versus Planned Parenthood um, that I think could have been a good enough reason to overturn Roe v. Wade, just based off of what was in the opinion, for the majority opinion for Roe v. Wade. Um, having said that, even Justice Ginsburg mentioned, you know, that the rationale, the legal rationale, was kind of shaky. Now, it was precedent, but she seemed unconfident that the rationale was was solid and wouldn't be able to be
1: argued against. Um, Well, her her objection to it was that it wasn't centered around women's health. It was just this right to privacy that may or may not exist. But I think right to privacy— But it wasn't even—
0: to be, to be specific, it wasn't even necessarily a right to privacy. It was the penumbra of a couple of amendments um, afford one, the right to privacy, even in the case of that privacy having an effect on another life. Like, it, it, again, it, it was I mean, that was the, 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 the verbiage used in the opinion. And that's what
1: right. It, it, it was cobbled together from a few different amendments, for sure. And I don't I, I don't think that it was the strongest yeah, no, uh, case yeah. to be made. But we, again, we've had 50 years of this and other decisions have been based on this precedent of this, of this right to privacy that it cobbled together. And the problem is, is now when you get rid of that, that, that opens up a whole lot of other things that I think we as a society have already decided are, again, uh, gay marriage, contraception use, yeah. um, inter interracial marriage uh, there's all kinds of things that are kind of based on i mean loving versus virginia is pre roe wade but it still follows that sort of like the state doesn't ha- necessarily have an interest uh in every aspect of your life and i think that is that has absolutely been eroded and i know the alito decision says this only applies to roe and abortion but it really doesn't uh, and again, the Tom's decision makes that clear that it, it, it this opens up more things to be attacked. And I, I think that's the that's that's a problem with overturning it. Like it wasn't a. It wasn't like a very limited in scope decision, even though Alito tries to make that argument that it is like it's not.
0: Yeah, well, But I think. So to your point, because you reference the right to privacy a lot, you know that's going to be a strong argument in the Ninth Amendment. For people who don't remember the Ninth Amendment, the exact amendment is the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Uh, in layman's term, these aren't the exhaustive list of rights people have. These first eight right. are ones that we recognize. The ninth is to say, you've got several others that we haven't listed here. Um, and then the tenth is yeah. to say, everything else goes to the state. So I think because there's not a tension of privacy versus um, life, that things like contraception, um, unless it's contraception that that takes
1: life. um, Well, something like something like plan B, something that kills whatever. If you believe that life begins at conception, plan B kills that. Like so that that's also on the table. Uh, even though most people don't consider like two, three days after being impregnated as necessarily a life, uh, I would guess the vast, not the vast, but I guess a majority opinion in the United States would be that that plan B is is absolutely acceptable. But this opens that up for review now, like states can ban plan B. Yeah, I guess And fair and we can pack up on that in a second, but my
0: point being, with contraception right. that right. does not take life, um, it just prevents the creation of life, which is most birth controls, condoms, um, you know, things like that. Yes. Um, with uh, same-sex marriage, um, with things of that nature, there's no tension there. It's just it's not privacy versus life. It's just privacy, and I think the Ninth Amendment is, is going to be pretty strong to hold that. I know you're Did skeptical. My-
1: why would Thomas – his concurrence like that then? I mean he's a Supreme Court justice who's been there for 20 years. He obviously knows the Constitution. If he understands the right to privacy as you understand it, why would he even bring up those two things then? Like he specifically brought yeah. them up. Like I think that the – I think that I think that the common understanding of the Ninth Amendment for the last 50 years or however long is that is what you're saying. But I think this – this puts it under a microscope now. Like if if there's no, per Alito, if there's no history of something being a right in this country since founding, that it doesn't necessarily fall under the Ninth Amendment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for Justice Thomas and why he would write that. I I would just say, um, obviously, his point of emphasis was substantive due process played a significant role in Roe v. Wade. So things that were... Um, following that same premise, would, would they, if I by by nature of reason, need to be con- reconsidered or reviewed? Um, yeah. Yes. So and again, I don't, I don't think there's a philosophical um, flaw in that. What I'm saying is, even in review, um, I would hope there would be even stronger, more clear um, opinions that would say, if if. A person's private acts are not infringing on the life, liberty, or property of another. The government has no no right to ask questions, give an opinion, or, or press charges um, because there's no tension there. So, and, and I think I think it's and I know you would disagree, and, and I, I understand your concern, um, but I think it's fair and consistent to say, hey, this was the premise by which Roe v. Wade was upheld. Other things following that premise need to be reconsidered. I would just hope it would be reconsidered to the point of making those precedents stronger and more clearly saying where there's not a a tension between two rights, um, then it's clear that right to privacy can prevail. Um, And I think that's where the other four justices, I'm sorry, other five justices um, seem to, at least with uh, court publications, see it pretty clear that this is, specific because of this tension.
1: Um, So that's... Yeah, that's my spiel on it. Sure, and you're not going to agree with this, but I think the tension isn't... You're saying there's not that tension in the gay marriage or contraception thing. I think the tension is between that and and religion and Christianity specifically. It's not a tension between... I think think Roe v. Wade slash abortion falls under that same tension. It's not... They're using life as the as the um, excuse and I, don't, I can't think of a better word uh, excuse is not necessarily the word I want but it's the only thing coming to me right now uh, for that tension and why it needs to be overturned but plenty of religions don't consider life to begin until birth not conception most famously Judaism which is Christianity is based off of and a very old religion Uh, They don't believe life begins until birth. So full stop, like a fetus is not a life until it is born. So there's no tension with life in the Jewish faith. I don't think their way of thinking should be applied, should be a blanket thing for everybody just because they're an old religion and that's their way of doing things. But it's also a fair point to say that not everybody agrees that, uh, especially up until 20 weeks, whatever viability was, is a life. So that that tension doesn't exist for some people. But for Christians, it absolutely does. And I think gay marriage also has that not as adamant of a tension. People aren't – well, actually, people are shooting up gay clubs. Uh, maybe it's not evil. Christians necessarily. I think it was one. People. Well, no, I just mean like uh, we just had a thing in Norway, but that was no, like, I thought uh, you meant the U.S., so. Well, yeah, the, the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting, but that was more of a – uh, Islam thing again recently it's been Islam but like uh, there's been a long history of like the Matthew Shepard thing in Wyoming I believe where he was beat to death uh, other you know gay people have have followed similar fates all to all to say that like there is that tension there in Christianity they believe homosexuality is wrong it's a sin and that they shouldn't have Gay gay marriage is a, is you know an affront to God. And I think the same thing with contraception when you're talking about Catholics. Catholics believe all contraception is bad. Condoms, birth control, all of it. All of it's bad. So I think there's like overall the tension is with, with with uh faith. It's not a uh, it's not an argument outside of Roe. It's not an argument of, like I'm adding Roe into that. It's it's an argument with about the Christian faith and um society i guess or whatever like i don't really know how to articulate this but i i just in my opinion like i get for you that it's not a disingenuous thing like you believe that it's life you believe that we are ending life abortion ends the life of a of a baby and that that is morally wrong and uh You would – this is a really weird way to say it or maybe a poor way to say it, but you would prefer that that not happen. I don't want abortions to happen either, but I still think they should be illegal. I think any medical decision between a patient and their doctor, the state really doesn't have a say in it. Uh, I think that taking away uh, body body autonomy and the right to privacy, I think – those two things are more important than arguing over whether a fetus is a life is the same as a born child. But again, that's we've had this discussion on abortion before, and that's not really what I want to get into. It's mostly that I just I don't I. So can I real quick? I, you've
0: hit a couple of things that oh,
1: yeah yeah I I ramble man yeah. and,
0: and so so I, I think just, um. Hmm. So, I'll, I'll address the faith aspect first. So, if it is a purely faith based um, matter of conscience that is trying to be made public policy, and that's how it's argued, um, then it should be rejected. Um, and
1: so sure, if, if they're so not that.
0: So, um, I think you can say, like, yes, I'm a person of faith, but my argument is based entirely on biology and medical science. So my theology is not brought up. I'm not I'm not asking you to consider the merit of my argument based off my understanding of God. I'm asking you to consider the merit of my argument based off of what we understand about biology, about um, humanity, about medical sciences, right. and to say what is the role of government now that we know this is life? So sure. so some people may and be disingenuous I, in that and some people may be inconsistent. But let me let let me let me let me address Gee, the heck, I'm sorry. but, but the, the
1: No, I'm allowed to talk for ten minutes straight. You're <laughs> not sorry.
0: But the reason it would be and why I would argue and hope that any court would um would uh rule against a religious argument is because again you don't you don't base law on somebody's understanding of sin or not, because the, one, there's a there's heart issue there. And two, from the Christian perspective, um, I mean, God opposes the proud. So we're going to outlaw pride. And then who determines when it's um, genuinely pride in somebody's heart? Like yeah, you just get into sticky situations that the government is not intended to be in. Um, one of the arguments that somebody made in the Discord chat that I'm always on and very active in Um, They asked me, basically, when did you believe the existence of a soul comes into play? Um, And kind of the reason for asking was to say, if for whatever reason, let's just say you believe that a soul didn't arrive until week 20 of a pregnancy, would you be okay with abortion at week 15? And my argument was saying, no, because the government has no responsibility over my soul. Um, they do have a responsibility to protect life, liberty, and property. So the existence of a soul and the immaterial aspects of life are never brought into the argument. And if they are, that they, they, truth be told, have very good historical reasons for being rejected. Um, even if I agree with the conclusion somebody's driving at, the rationale matters.
1: Sure, like I don't, I don't think that Roe v. Wade was overturned based on a uh religious argument. It was a religious motivation for sure. Do you Well, I don't know if you can say that. I, I absolutely can say that. If you want, uh, but I don't
0: think you can say like, well, because Amy Comey Barrett's Catholic, we know her
1: conclusion, beg your pardon? <laughs> most of them are Catholic, but yeah. I have no there's I mean it's the same thing as saying like does, does being a Catholic justice influence your decision? I think it's, I think it's insane to say that it does. And I think it's insane to say that it doesn't like, of course it influences who you are and what you think. None of them are making original, like it's not an originalist argument to Alito was trying to make an an originalist argument, I think, but I think that that is what is the weakest part of the decision that because uh, abortion isn't, Historically rooted in the Constitution. That's a ridiculous argument. There's a lot of things that aren't historically rooted in the Constitution. What is rooted in the Constitution is the three-fifths compromise. So it's like there's not – there's a reason why we have a Supreme Court to rule on stuff that affects 1973 and 2022 and not 1783. Uh, I just think that the – The fact that Roe was decided in 73 was basically reaffirmed in 92, and nothing has changed. Like you make this argument that like our understanding of – nothing has changed in biology. Viability is still 20 weeks. 92 percent of abortions happen in the first nine weeks. Like we're not even near what the Roe v. Wade even set as like viability. Like nothing has changed in that sense. The only thing that's changed is the, the makeup of the court. Like in, in that sense. So but I think we're going uh, down... not a sign of life. Like that's that's not
0: one of the, depending on how you split it up, five to seven biological signs of life. Um, and I would even argue that our understanding of medical science has drastically changed because our, like, DNA um, first got scientific publications I think in like 53. So when you talk about like having it become more mainstream and understandable to... Um, people who are not at the cutting edge of medical science. Um, I don't sure. I guess my point is, according to the Roe v. Wade opinion, science wasn't argued. Um, like life wasn't. Well, argued. That's not true.
1: They 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 said viability whatever twenty two weeks or whatever that was in Roe v. Wade. I don't remember the exact. But so there was a a medical aspect to the Roe v. Wade decision. Yeah, but what
0: I'm saying is that the opinion stated that you never tried to prove this was life. You never made the argument this is life and you sure. didn't prove it. Sure. And, and and that's what they said. If you make this argument, we have to reconsider, but you didn't. So...
1: Sure. They The argument that that was life hasn't changed. Like, the understanding of DNA might have, have has become more uh, widespread knowledge in the last 70 years, sure. But the people who think that a, a non-viable fetus is life had that their argument hasn't changed since 1973 or what even before then. And the people on the opposite side who don't think it's life, like, like there's been nothing, there's been no substantive evidence that to say that like it's, it's a semantic argument of what life is. A, Life on another planet on Mars doesn't mean that there are sentient creatures on Mars. It means there are probably some sort of bacteria or something on Mars. So like life, the definition of the word life has a very broad meaning. And we're getting back into the abortion argument. I really don't want to. I want to talk more about the uh, repercussions for the election. But just it's I think it's a it's a topic that me and you like fundamentally disagree on. But, like, the definition of life is meaningless to me because it's a very broad topic. There is a wide thing of life. Uh, and you talk about DNA. Like, you can you can um, replicate somebody's DNA based off their skin cells, based off a, a cheek swab. I can, in 20, 20 to 50 years, I can get a cheek swab from you and clone you, right? So, the, like, the cells in your mouth are alive. They have the, the possibility for life. Now, I don't like that. I don't like the argument of, like... Well, sperm cells are the potential for life, so that's like equivalent to a fetus. A fetus is much closer to human life. I have no problem saying that, but I don't think giving – I don't think the fetus gets imbued with constitutional rights until a certain point. Like there's just – there has to be some kind of uh, event horizon where we consider that – But but I guess my point – Constitutionally protected is what I would say. But but my point being, um, again – I don't think
0: the definition, from biological standpoint, of life is broad. I think it is specific. There are certain um, indicators to life, and if all of them don't exist, it's not life. And then the, the reason DNA is relevant is just because that verifies—sorry, <clears throat> that verifies human life. Um, so sure. now you say, okay, this is a human life what's the responsibility of government towards human life? And there's tension. Is, it's, it's, in it's, this a potential,
1: it's a potential human life. I think that, I think you gotta be clear in your language. It is not human life that has no, uh, no ability to survive on its own. It has no ability to survive outside of its womb. It's, it's the, got the potential to do all that, but, but, you, but a lot of pregnancies, like, I don't know, 10 to 30% of pregnancies in a miscarriage. Like it's not in the clear, it's not guaranteed. So putting a human, thumb on the scale and saying okay i don't want this pregnancy i'm going to do something that naturally occurs 10 to 30 percent of the time uh i don't think i think that is okay for lack of a yeah, better but a
0: big idea, i think argument. there are a couple of holes in your argument because a 10 day old child can't survive on its own again th- there's a reason why, like why sentience and viability um in general aren't signs of life um both scientifically and practically i mean you have a guy in a uh, who's unconscious he's not sentient he's still alive and legally the doctors are going to be held to a standard of care right
1: Um, but it's the exact same argument i made before that like the state for that for that 10 day old baby the state has an interest in keeping it alive and can keep it alive right a guy who's unconscious the medical providers or his family or bystanders or whatever, other people can keep up that person's that unconscious person's mother doesn't need to keep him alive. That 10 day old baby, what happens? What, a baby whose mother dies during pregnancy is fine, right? Other people can care for it. That's there's a, there's a stark contrast between forcing a person to use their body. And it's only that person. And they have no say in the decision. Right, like that's there's a difference. So, no, I
0: mean I, I get you know I mean I, I hear what you're saying.
1: Um, let me just say, you finish your thoughts on this abortion thing because I don't. This is we're getting back into the abortion episode <laughs> all over again, and we're getting we got stuck on this, which is fine. I've talked a lot about. It. I've expressed my viewpoint very strongly. I want you to finish your thoughts on it, but then let's move on to the 2022 election. How we think this affects that, and then in the episode because we're already at. I'm going to test your willpower because I'm going to end with something that you're going to hate. Um, It's fine. I'm not, I'm not even going to respond to it.
0: (laughs) I get to see your video. So if I laugh, people will know that you did something visibly. uh,
1: (laughs) No. Oh, I might, I might react to it, but I'm not going to respond. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I I would say obviously, all right. So if you want to know our fuller thoughts on this, you can go back and listen to our abortion episode because we we do, this is probably the thing, the issue where we have the strongest. And if we are both elected representatives, we would never be able to find common ground on, on this particular sure. Sure. aspect of, of the debate because it's
1: it's not because we hate each other. We think the other one's dumb. It's that I think both of us have good points. I don't think your points are stupid or bad. I just don't agree with them. I don't see it that No, insane. Um, so I'll, I'll just end
0: with the point that's going to bother you. You talk about, <laughs> you know, obviously, yeah, you talk about bodily autonomy. Um, and, how bodily autonomy, um, the state should not get involved in that. And I'm saying, well, what about for the protection of life? I mean, this is very much the same argument that people made for vaccines is I have a bodily autonomy. And the only reason the state should be able to get involved here is if it's going to affect the life of another. And this is why I mean, I think in a lot of ways, at least one of the principles why you say, yes, this is why states should be able to force vaccines because it protects the life of another individual. Whereas my point would be, yes, if that's the case, then yes, mandate vaccines because the government has a specific function to protect life. You know, and and that's why, that's why I say it is here. Like, is this human life? If the answer is yes, you have a specific obligation, regardless of religious belief or rhetoric or bias, like, if you can prove it's life, that matters. Um, and then, if there is the non-existence of life, if that tension doesn't exist, then all other matters of privacy, the state has no right to even give an opinion on, much less determine what is right or wrong or ethical or unethical, because that's not their function. And when the government forgets their function, they everybody is mad. So.
1: <laughs> uh so kind of i mentioned it earlier do you think there's any gonna be backlash from this in the polls in 2022 or do you think that uh we're gonna see the red wave it's that's too strong you know i think before this there was a really good
0: chance that there was going to be a whole lot of republicans elected to office um i don't know that the majority of americans I don't know the majority of Americans stand on this, to be honest, because it seems like a lot of polls, um, almost nobody believes in a total ban of abortion. Um I think many would say I think the closest you would get is a fifteen, twenty-week ban, which is what a lot of European countries have, by the way. Um
1: Yeah. I think I, I think the last poll I saw was that like sixty-three percent didn't want to see Roe overturned. But like the actual like, do you think Like unlimited abortion access uh, or like 20 – like that stuff is a lot lower than you would think based on like – I think people – and one of the things why I think Roe held up for so long, it's like the best we had and nobody wanted to rock the boat on it. Uh, And I think that that's where the public is at. Like most people would just – would rather Roe v. Wade stay and that like – I don't think they – like people don't want a federal protection for abortion – uh like the majority of people if polled they don't want like a federal blanket oh. abortion but they also don't want abortion banned like a a total ban like the most people are in the middle of it like there's no like the hard the hard right and left of it are 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 the fringes for sure like most people are solid in the middle like they want some sort of 15 20 week cap uh except in the case of you know medical emergency But again, I think I think they just thought, and for good reason, that Roe v. Wade was the best we're going to get, and that we're not going to get anything. There's no way that the Dems are going to be able to pull off codifying it, you know, as a law. And on the other side of it, they don't, you know, not every state's going to ban it. And I don't think there's going to be a national ban. I don't think that's very popular either. So, what I do think
0: will be interesting, because I think the Democrats, based off polling, probably could run on trying to codify. Um, protection of abortion again, probably not. You know, third trimester or anything like grand like that. But they could probably codify protection of abortion to like twenty weeks, and they could probably run on that, and, and it probably wouldn't hurt them. Honestly, at the at the poll, I don't know that Republicans can do the same thing. Um, I don't know that Republicans could run on a total ban of abortion, um, with with even with limited exceptions. Um, and win a national or statewide uh, election in the, in most states. So it'll be interesting to see how that 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 turns out um, at the polls. But I still think Republicans probably uh, probably take back the Senate. Maybe narrowly the House. I think. I mean, we've talked about this before. There's a pretty short attention span um, for the nation, and if gas prices are still. Floating around five bucks a gallon. If the stock market's still not doing well, um, if inflation continues, to, I mean, those are things that happen to people every day that they can't escape. Whereas, in four months, when the dust settles from uh, this decision, I, I don't know that it's gonna. I don't know. It's gonna be as impactful as other things. Yeah, yeah. if we weren't going
1: through record inflation on the cusp of a recession, I would think that this would be enough to push push things into at least the Democrats keeping the House. Uh with the way inflation, like inflation just hits so many people harder than the the abortion issue. Like yeah. it's it's a tough it's a tough sell. Like and and I'm 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 one of the people that thinks we're definitely gonna have a recession and that things aren't going to get better till twenty twenty four. I'm I think that the the twenty twenty four map and the as long as the recession is short and is doesn't linger, like I think a lot of this is due to not only printing all that money during the, the uh, last couple of years, uh, even of the Trump presidency. But we've been running record low interest rates for a decade, uh, even when we didn't need to. Uh, the supply chain issues, uh, Saudi Arabia being – an OPEC being assholes in general. Uh, The Russia thing didn't help like this. It's a combination of issues that really all coalesce this year to, to drive all this stuff. Like, and by the way, if you're listening to the show and you don't understand that, like, do I think Biden is handling this? Well, probably not. But do I think Biden is to blame for all of this? I wouldn't give Biden more than 10% of the blame. Uh, And that's not me being a lefty. That's me understanding uh, geopolitics and global happenings. And like the inflation rate is spiraling out of control everywhere. Like there's no it's not a U.S. thing. It's a world thing uh, brought by a bunch of these issues. But the U.S. specifically, like printing all that money, keeping interest rates low for so long uh, really didn't help and is, is opening us up to more pain in the short term. Uh, but I honestly think that like all those things, I don't think the Russia war drags on for much, you know, much more. I think they're going to try to end it before the, the winter hits. Cause that's a terrible time to fight. Uh, the supply chain issues, we've already seen that start to alleviate, uh, in the next, you know, six to 12 months. I expect that to be back to normal. Can't do much about, uh, all that money we printed, but, uh, Getting new energy sources online, opening up new areas for drilling, that sort of thing, I think will relieve some of that pressure. Like, I don't expect this to last very long. And by 2024, I expect Biden to be in a much stronger position. Will Democrats back uh, Uh,
0: uh, opening up drilling, uh, new drilling or previously shut down drilling, do you think? I
1: I don't – yeah, I don't think they have much of a choice, right? Like, I don't think that they can – I think they're going to get wiped out in the midterms because of all this. Uh, so they're really going to try to hold on to the presidency in 2024 by all means necessary. I don't think that unless there's some crazy advancement in alternative energy in the next year or two, like I don't think Democrats are way more against coal than they are oil and natural gas. Like, yeah, we don't want people drilling in protected habitats and like the BP oil spill is still a big uh a big reason why people don't trust oil companies but uh the arctic thanks to global warming is melting away rapidly is opening up a lot of more new drilling opportunities like i don't i don't foresee that going uh untouched by the united states <laughs> for very long uh so we'll, we'll see i mean that's my prediction on on that i don't i don't think oil prices are going to stay like this forever I think it's a mostly a 2022 problem, but I I do think that they'll change their tune once they get wiped out in the midterms.
0: Yeah, I think they'll have to. I mean, and you already kind of saw that um, to some degree when the House uh, got really close in in this last election because there was a lot of like you know defund the police and stuff like that rhetoric that was coming from some Democratic members, and then when a lot of them started losing their seats, they they quit with that slogan. I mean, Abigail Spanberger was a good example. Um, you know, she's like, I almost lost my seat because we kept pushing this, and that's not what America is. Um, so, I, I do think, yeah, Republicans probably still do pretty well in twenty two. Depends on who they put up for president in twenty four. Could I think President Biden is very beatable, um, unless you put up unless you put up President Trump. I, I, gosh, I don't want him to run again.
1: But yeah, I mean, I think I I think that Republicans are kind of secretly rooting for this January 6th committee to (laughs) kind of close the book on Trump because they can't do it themselves. Uh, They can't quit him. He's such a powerful force in the party. But I I think the only way Biden wins in 2024 is if they put Trump up against him. Like, I don't understand how you anybody thinks that Trump can beat him. Uh, He wasn't a strong candidate the first time. And. Trump is, Trump's name has only gotten worse Since the, the election has been over yeah. So no, the, the
0: Republicans need to have Governor DeSantis run They need to have Nikki Haley run um, Who would be another uh, The realistic options Those are the two biggest that need to run Because I think they could Rally the MAGA Base, not the way President Trump could But they're still close enough to that vein But they are not President Trump and style and personality and I think overall character and that would be that would be better. That would be a plus. So I don't know, twenty four will be interesting I think twenty two is, is definitely going Republicans, but twenty four will be incredibly interesting.
1: Yeah, I think twenty four is much more interesting. I and I yeah, I'm expecting the red wave to absolutely come in twenty twenty two. Uh is there anything else you got? Anything else you want to say uh i'm pretty sure i spoke for like 80 percent of this episode mainly because you had connection issues but <laughs> uh is there anything else you wanted to uh throw out there he's
0: lying about connection issues this was his version of cancel culture and trying to silence the Yeah, I culture. muted him on purpose, <laughs> and it's only going to get worse with editing so nope I, i'm good it's i say yes. i think we, we kind of like you said we addressed a lot of these in our opinions on them from a policy standpoint um so it'll just be interesting to see what happens moving forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and wow, this was one of our longer episodes. Who would have thought? Cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everybody, thanks for joining us. If you want to go back and listen, please do. Like I said, we have a two-part episode on abortion. We got way more into it in this episode, and our arguments are basically the same. We, I think we have just you know more examples in the actual episodes Uh, But the arguments are basically spot on from what we said before. And if you want to hear about our thoughts on the Second Amendment, uh, again, I'm a more liberal person, but I also understand the realities of what having a constitutional – constitutionally protected right entail. So I'm more realistic about the Second Amendment and gun control. But those – we have two episodes on those things and they're very interesting and I think we both have – maybe not unique viewpoints, but outside of the norm viewpoints on stuff like that. So definitely worth a listen. And if you like those episodes, I think those are some of our best. Please go back and listen to our others and uh, let us know what you think. Join the Discord. The link is in the description below. Uh, Even though Thomas is never there, we still have good discussions. We were were talking about the Roe v. Wade today. Uh, My buddy uh, Richard Lacoste posted a podcast kind of dissecting Alito's opinion and something Thomas brought up, the substantive due process of that opinion. Uh, I got to go, but I haven't listened to it yet. I'm interested in listening to it, but it was something that uh, we were talking about on the discord today. So yeah, please, if you want to continue these kind of discussions, join the discord, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at the rake, but the a is a four at Thomas black underscore 86 at OVO deep state. As always, guys, I say it every time. We appreciate you for listening, and we hope to have you listen to us again. Bye. Take it easy.